Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today. You can grab your Bibles and meet me there in Matthew chapter 6. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 970 in that Bible. And as we get going, I want to show you a video clip here, and this is from a comedy show, and uh, the guy in the video here was not comfortable talking to girls at all, and so he asked some girls if he could practice his flirting on them, and so they took a camera out in the street and got some volunteers, and here's what happened. <laughs> that video could have been called Chris's High School Experience right there. But I landed Sarah, so I got better at it along the way. And it's just for those of you who are single, just good to know that you can land a girl way out of your league if you just learn to talk like a normal human being to them. And beyond flirting, that's just a skill we all need to learn. We all need to learn how to talk to somebody else. And some of us are really good at it. Some of us are very natural, and we can uh, just talk to anyone. I always admire this about Pastor Mesh. He could start a conversation with a stranger in the line at Tim Hortons, and in five minutes he'll know everything about them, and it'll just be very natural and just a very easy conversation. Honestly, I always have to work a little bit harder than that. It's not as natural to me. But we can learn how, and we can learn how to get better. And we're continuing to talk about prayer today, and like just any conversation, some of us are really natural prayers. We are just, it's easy for us, it's always been easy for us. Some of us are not that way. We, we struggle with what to say, or how to say it, or, or we're new to it, and it's all just new to us, and we're not sure where to start. And so where we're going today is just wanting to talk about prayer, because we always like to start off our year with our week of prayer, which is coming up starting tomorrow. And so we usually take a couple of sermons to dive into the topic a little bit of what is prayer. And what does that look like? And we got into some of the theology and maybe theory of it last week. But we want this week just to be very practical, very down to earth. And so I'm going to throw a lot of things at you. And just to, to start off this way, not everything is going to be for you today. Not every single thing that I mention is necessarily for you. But some of it will be. And so to just have that in mind as we go through things. Because we have this incredible, wonderful, awesome blessing given to us where we serve a God who is not far away, we serve a God who is not unknowable, but we serve a God who wants to be known by us, a God who has drawn close to us, and a God who has said, come to me and ask. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Come and spend time talking to me. Spend time in my presence. We have a God who actually is running after us in that way. And he invites us to connect with him in this way. And prayer becomes one of the places that we do that. One of those places where we just get to connect with him. And just like when I'm home at my house and my little girl Kaylee calls out, Daddy, there's nothing I love better hearing in my life. There's no better sound. And I will drop what I'm doing, and I will go to her. I just love the sound of her voice so much. I love when she calls my name. And just like that, our loving Heavenly Father longs to connect with you in the place of prayer. And so, whereas last week was kind of, again, the theory and theology, this week's going to be much more practical. So let's like a, take a look at our text. We're in Matthew chapter 6. This is our same text from last week, but we want to revisit it again. Jesus is teaching uh, in, in other versions of this story. He has been asked asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray. What is the best way for us to do this? And Jesus responds with this teaching, starting in verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So that prayer is, of course, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it is the prayer that the Lord taught us. And when Jesus was trying to communicate what should prayer look like, this is what he gave us. And we talked a bit about this last week. That is, depending on your version of Scripture, it is around 50 to 55 words. You can pray through it in about 20 to 30 seconds. It is not long. It's not in-depth. And that's exactly, actually, what Jesus tells us to do. Before he gives us this prayer, he says, don't worry about being long-winded. You don't have to impress God with the way in which you pray or the words that you choose or the length of your prayers because God knows what you need before you even ask for it. So God is not looking to be convinced by us or won over by us. God is looking to connect with us relationally. And when we humble ourselves to say, I can't do this on my own, Lord, I need you, that's enough in God's eyes. And that's not to say that there's not a time to, to really press into prayer or give significant time to prayer. But when Jesus was talking about the principle of prayer, he says just short, sweet prayers. And here's a good model for what that can look like. And in those 20 to 30 seconds, Jesus covers a wide variety of things that we're going to touch on as we go through today. Because Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, which tells us that there is more than one type of prayer. There's more than one way to pray. There are apparently all kinds of prayers and requests. And so the kind of prayer that most of us would be most familiar with or comfortable with is the prayer of petition. It's when we ask for things. And for some of us, that's where our prayer life ends. Prayer is where you ask for things and God answers or maybe answers in a different way. But prayer is all about asking. And that is a huge part of prayer. It's crucial and important, but it's not the only way that we pray. There are all kinds of prayers and requests. We are not going to hit on every single one today, but we're going to touch on a bunch, and we are going to go through it pretty quick. So again, not everything I mentioned this morning might be for you specifically, but let's have an ear today to hear what is for me as I look to mature in my prayer life, and what might that look like. So when Jesus is giving his little preamble before he actually gets into the prayer itself, he talks about when you pray— and so that's important. It's not if you pray. It's not if there's time to pray. But when you pray, Jesus is making the assumption that prayer will be a part of our lives. It will be part of our spiritual journey. And so he says, you know, go into your room and shut the door. And that's not the only way that we can pray. But he's talking about make a plan of some kind. Make some, some intentional choices towards prayer in your life. Because a lot of Christians don't. It's just prayer becomes something that I'll throw up something here and there uh, you know, as I need it, and maybe I'll, I'll come and stop once 
once in a while, but Jesus talks about, no, like there is a, a place that prayer should be happening in your life. And I'm not saying you need to literally say, you know, Monday at 9 o'clock is my prayer time. Although for some of us, that's actually exactly what we need to do because it won't happen otherwise. And so some of us need that structure and some of us don't. Some of us are much more flexible and that's okay. But the point is, whatever it looks like for you, there's not much that happens in life without some semblance of a plan. And so if prayer is going to be a priority in our lives, if connecting with God that way daily is going to be important, then what is that going to look like for you? And with your personality, with your lifestyle, with your busyness, what is that going to look like? And I'm not going to tell you what it should be, but I am going to tell you it should be happening. And when it comes to prayer, I'm a lot less interested in how it's happening for you because you and me are not the same and we don't connect with God in the same way. So I'm less concerned with how it's happening as much as I am concerned that it is happening. And so what does your prayer life look like? How are you connecting with Jesus in your daily life? Because when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And there's this understanding that we go to him daily and, and we are looking for his blessing and we are seeking him and looking to connect with him daily. So make a plan, carve out a time and a place. Jesus says, go into your room, shut the door. And that's not the only way to pray. Jesus at times prays with his disciples. At times he prays in public. Uh, at times he prays privately and on its own. So he's not saying that's the only way to pray. But he's, again, just talking about this idea of having a place where you can meet with God. And maybe that is your bedroom, or maybe that is in your car on your way to work, or maybe it is going for a walk or going for a run, or maybe it is, uh, you know, gathering with other people. And, and again, I don't want to tell you exactly how, but just to give some focus, give some attention, give some priority to this in your life. Where do you meet with Jesus? What does that look like for you? There was a lady in our first church, and she was reading something, a blog or something, and it was talking about a prayer closet, which is a term that maybe you've heard. And it usually just means anywhere you go where you shut yourself away with Jesus. It's based on our passage today. Just anywhere where you can get quiet and alone and have some time with the Lord. But she had a small walk-in closet, and so she just decided to take that literally. And so she went home to her husband and said, all right, get your clothes out. I'm turning it into an actual prayer closet. And it was just big enough to fit an easy chair in, and they had a little lamp in there. And she got all the clothes out, and she put pictures of her family and her kids and her grandkids all over the walls, and she wrote scriptures on there, and she had lists of things she was praying for, and she made that her place where she met with Jesus. Now, you don't have to do it that literally, but carve out a time and a place, whether it is in your room, in a chair, in your basement, on your back deck, whatever, but find a spot where you can connect and you can meet with him. If I want to have a date with my wife, we're probably going to have to choose a place for that to happen. Uh, if we're actually going to spend some quality time together. And it can't just be, well, we'll just have a date night later this week. How's it going to, oh, whatever, 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 it doesn't matter. It's like, no, we actually have to make a plan. We actually have to, to set a time. We actually have to find a spot. And so there is some intentionality that we give to our human relationships in this way and how much more our relationship with Jesus as we're looking to connect with him. I would encourage you to pray out loud. And in the Bible, there is not really, there's maybe one story that's pretty clear where someone is praying silently, uh, Hannah in the Old Testament. But other than that, when you see prayer happening, it's out loud. And so this is a, there's a reason for it that's just very practical. And that is that when we are praying silently in our head, it's not that we can't do that and shouldn't do that sometimes. But when we pray out loud, it just brings a focus to our prayers. 
And sometimes when we pray inside, our mind can kind of wander over here and our mind can wander. You start thinking about errands you got to do today, the busyness of the day, stressful things in your life. And we end up just kind of thinking and worrying maybe instead of actually praying. Where we pray out loud and it just brings some focus to what we're doing. And so I'm not saying you can't do it quietly, but I would encourage you to take that step. Bruxy Cavey tells the story, anytime I try to pray quietly, I start off great and with the best of intentions, and I pray silently in my head, and then I start thinking about bills, and then I start thinking about work, and then I start daydreaming about vacation to come up, and by the end, I'm in an epic lightsaber duel in my imagination, because the mind just starts to wander. Praying out loud brings a focus to this. And in this day and age, you know, it might be weird to walk down the street praying out loud, but here's what's cool. If you've got headphones in, it just looks like you're Bluetoothing on the phone. And so you can do it that way as well. Uh, and it's not, again, the be-all and end-all, but there's something about it that is very cool. The other side of it, just spiritually, is Scripture says faith comes by hearing. And there's something about hearing our prayers that does build up our faith. It builds up our soul. It lets the enemy know what we're praying. It lets him know that we're on to him. There's something about it that is powerful and effective. So when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he starts off saying, this then is how you should pray. And that's amazing that Jesus, who is one with God the Father, is asked, how should we pray? And Jesus says, this is it. Because I'm one with the Father, I know exactly the prayer that the Father is looking for, and it's this. And I don't know that it was meant to be something that we kind of just rattle through, uh, you know, or recite without paying any attention to it. I often will lead the Lord's Prayer if I'm doing a, a funeral or if I'm doing a service at the Mennonite home because they value that a lot. And as soon as I start to say it, Our Father, people jump in, but you've all been there as the, Our Father, it's like, I don't know that we're even thinking about what we're saying as much as we're just kind of repeating the memorization that we have of this thing. So I don't think it was meant to be that. But what's beautiful about this is when I'm not sure what to pray, this is always the right prayer. When I don't have the words in a situation or when I'm tired and I just can't think of anything, or maybe if we're newer to prayer and we're not sure how to do it and we're just kind of getting the hang of it, the Lord's Prayer is always the right prayer to pray because Jesus said this then is how you should pray. And what we can do is, is we can pray the words that Jesus gives us, and that can become our prayer. But there's another way we can use it, and this might be a good next step for you if you're new to this or you're wanting to grow in your prayer life, where we use the words of Jesus, but we also use it just as a bit of a springboard to praying our own prayers. Because Jesus covers a lot of topics in this. He starts off with worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means holy. And so when Jesus starts off the prayer, he starts off with worship. There's a reason we start off our services here with worship, because we always want to begin what we do with acknowledging who God is and taking even a couple of lines just to lift him up, to praise him, to acknowledge what he's done and who he is in our life. So we can use the Lord's Prayer as a springboard by doing this. We pray Jesus' words, and then we just add a few words of our own on the end of it. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are bigger than any problem that I face. You are great. You are holy. 
you can sing a worship song in that moment because they've made up the words for you. You don't have to come up with anything on your own. But to take a pause to worship Jesus' words and then add a few words of your own worship on the end of that. Jesus moves on to what we would call a prayer of submission because there are different kinds of prayer. So he starts with prayers of worship. He moves on to a prayer of submission. I won't say too much about it because this was last week's message. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you pray Jesus' words, then just add a few words of your own at the end of it. Lord, as I go about my day today, help me to walk in your will. And Lord, where your will and my will aren't in line, let your will be done and show me the way that I should go in Jesus' name. So we start with Jesus' words, add a few of your own on the end of that in the prayer of submission. The prayer of petition, give us this day our daily bread. This is probably what we're most familiar with and comfortable with. And, and there's a, a call upon God for daily provision. Just take care of me. Let me feed my family. So we pray Jesus' words, give us this day our daily bread. And then add a few of your own words. What are you looking for God to do? What are you wanting to see Jesus do in your life? Where do you need him to intervene in your life? Add a little bit on there of your own needs, your own desires. Jesus moves into a prayer of repentance. Forgive us our trespasses, or forgive us our debts, or forgive us our sins, depending on the version of Scripture that you have. And this is important, because Jesus was giving this as the model of this is how you should pray, and he's making clear that repentance should be a part of what we are praying regularly. That we acknowledge our sin, and not just acknowledge it, because acknowledging is step one, but we actively move to turn from it. And we ask for his strength to help us to turn from it. And we ask him to change us so that we're renewed from the inside out. So we don't want to do those things anymore. And that we acknowledge and we seek his forgiveness. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Repent. Acknowledge that. And so we pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses. And then we can say specifically, forgive me for X, Y, and Z. And the fact that we are to do this daily is that, you know, we can say, okay, where have I sinned today? What did I do today? You know, that attitude that I had, those words that I said, those thoughts that I, I let linger, that thing that I did, that thing that I didn't do. There's a great line, it's challenging and beautiful in the Book of Common Prayer, where it's a prayer of repentance, and it says, Lord, forgive us for the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone. The things where we have actively sinned and done things, but also where we have not done what we should have, where we have not loved the way we should, or encouraged, or helped, or, or been generous the way that we should. And so repentance is part of this for Jesus. And not just that, not just saying, Lord, forgive me. It's forgive us our trespasses. But then it moves into a prayer of forgiveness for others as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the two are so linked together. And we're going to talk about forgiveness in a few weeks. But Jesus says you start off by acknowledging where you need God's forgiveness, but then you also let your neighbor off the hook. You pray for that as well. And there's something about bitterness, there's something about unforgiveness that is so damaging to the soul and so damaging to our walk with God. And it's all throughout the Bible, but especially the New Testament, of we cannot walk in unforgiveness towards others if we are followers of Jesus. We're just not allowed to do that because we have been given unlimited mercy and grace. Second chances, third chances, thousandth chances by the love of Almighty God. And for me to then go to my neighbor and say, no, I'm going to hold this against you is the definition of hypocrisy. 
And so we are called by Scripture over and over and over again, forgive, forgive, forgive. So important that Jesus builds it in to the daily prayer. You acknowledge your own sin and where you need forgiveness, but then you also take time to forgive others. So as we use the Lord's Prayer, we pray this, we forgive those who trespass against us, and then we pray for the one who has sinned against us. And we pray even, Lord, help me forgive so-and-so. And Lord, I pray your blessing over them. Because when bitterness tries to take root in my life, blessing is a powerful way to push that out again. When you start to pray God's best for that person, your heart starts to shift as you do that. So we don't just pray for our forgiveness, but we pray to forgive others. And Jesus wraps up the prayer with a prayer of protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There is temptation in my life. There are sins I want to do. Lord, protect me from that draw and protect me from the evil one. Protect me from where the enemy wants to take me out. And we did our series on spiritual warfare back in the fall, and we talked about prayer being this big part of warfare. Prayer is where we engage with the power of God. And so Jesus says, pray to be protected from temptation. Pray to be protected from evil. And so we pray Jesus' words, and then again, we can add a few of our own words on the end of it. And so if we look at the Lord's Prayer that way, then it becomes not just a, a thing that we recite and rattle through without thinking about it, but becomes a good model by which we can engage with several different kinds of prayer and add a little bit of our own needs and wants, and we can grow in our prayer life that way. So we can use it as something that helps us go further. There's a few different ways in which we can pray that I'll give you, uh, and just, uh, again, just kind of practical things, things that we need to be focusing on. First Thessalonians 5.18, says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so for that great question that most of us struggle with or ask from time to time of what is God's will for me? You know, we talked last week about praying, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. God, what is it that you want of me? One thing we know for sure is that he has said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus, we are called to be a thankful people, and there's always something to be thankful for. So I'm in school right now, and we had to do for a school assignment, we had to keep a Thanksgiving journal, which I had not done before. And so the idea of a Thanksgiving journal is that once a day, you need to write down all the things that you are thankful for. And whether it was a good day or a bad day, but you take time and you think about your day and you think about your life and you write down everything you are thankful for. I didn't do it every single day. Um, but it was just brand new to me. I'd never done anything like this. And my professor who, who gave us this assignment has been involved in studies, just in his own uh, ministry and in his own academic career, has been involved in studies where they have actually done uh, both spiritual studies, Christian studies, and secular studies about thanksgiving, about being thankful. And they have determined with like empirical evidence that if you are a thankful person, you are filled with a greater sense of well-being. There's more peace in your life. You worry less. Your blood pressure is lower. There's less anxiety and worry in your mind. You view the world more positively and optimistically if you are regularly taking time to be thankful. And so I started to do this, and it wasn't, you know, so hard to do maybe on the really good days, but it was a bit tougher to do on the really bad days. But on the really bad days, it was interesting because you went, man, what a terrible day, and this went wrong at home, and this went wrong at work, and this stress is in my life, and that big problem is overwhelming me. And as you took time to say, what am I thankful for, it forces you to put aside that worry 
and to put aside that stress and to put aside that concern, and not that we shouldn't, you know, engage with those things, but put them aside and start to say, what is good? Where is God actually blessing me? And finding that even on the worst days, there are still signs of God's blessing and favor everywhere. And as we spend this time actually seeking it and writing it down, the other thing is now I have this incredible record of, of all the things that, that are good and all the things that are continually going well. And that even though life is not always easy and even though some days are brutal and even though there's tragedy and heartache and all of those things, even so, because the word says give thanks in all circumstances, doesn't, have to, doesn't mean you have to give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, wherever you are at, whatever circumstances you are in, there are signs of God's blessing and his favor there. And when we are thankful, we lock on to those things. I was talking to someone in between the services. They were here for the first, and they said, uh, just jumping off this point, that Ann Voskamp had written a book, and I, I don't know what it called. I think it was called A Thousand Blessings or something like that, A Thousand Something. And her challenge was, write down, start to keep track and, and put a number on it, start to write down a thousand things that you are thankful for, and you're not allowed to repeat any of them. And so this woman was saying, it took me a year and I'm up to 500. And she said, but it's challenging because I can't just say I'm thankful for my husband. It's, you know, I'm thankful for my husband's sense of humor because I can't repeat that. And so uh, I got to come up with, with specific things. But she says what ended up happening over the year was you are constantly actually actively looking for things to be thankful for. So she's, I'd be walking down the street, and it would be like, there's a bird I never would have noticed before. That's so beautiful. That sound is so beautiful. That's going to be number 426. And she said, it's not that real trouble doesn't happen or real struggles don't happen, but she said, when you are actively, she said, I fully believe it changed the wiring of my brain. Because instead of looking for what was wrong or focusing on what was wrong, I was looking for what was good and focusing on what was good and acknowledging God for what was good. And so, again, these studies have been done. If you are a thankful person, you will live longer. Your marriage will be better. Your outlook will be better. And so we are called to give thanks, and we are called to acknowledge where God is at work in our lives. And so thanksgiving is a form of prayer. So you do that however you like. I'm not saying you have to do the journal thing, but find a place in your time with Jesus to be thankful. There are prayer guides that exist. And they have actually existed for hundreds, thousands of years of church history, and even into the Old Testament, which we'll come back to in a second. And a prayer guide or a prayer book is simply where someone else has written down a prayer, and you, you just read it as your prayer. You just join with that. And so it's great if you don't know what to pray. It's great if you're brand new at this, or, or if you sometimes struggle with what to say, because somebody else has said it already. And you just read it, and you make that your prayer to God. You read it to him as an act of prayer. And so The Divine Hours is a book that I have worked through, and The Valley of Vision is a book of Puritan prayers. Uh, I had to do an assignment again for school this summer where I had to uh, find a prayer book and read it twice a day. And so uh, I'm a happy Mennonite now. Uh, I'm a Pentecostal by my roots. But going back generations, the Walker family is Anglican by nature. And so Anglicans have what's called the Book of Common Prayer. 
and there are readings in it for the morning and the evening of every day, and it's how they govern their church service, and they read through it and everything. And so I decided I wanted to use that, and there was something uh, that I kind of dreaded about the assignment, because for me, prayer has always just been speaking your heart or speaking your mind to God, and so it felt too formal, it felt too ritualized, and it turned out to be amazing as a spiritual exercise. Because, yeah, I don't always have the right words. And sometimes if I'm praying in the morning, I'm really tired and my brain is kind of foggy. Or sometimes if I'm praying at night, I'm just exhausted and I don't have a lot of energy. And this does the praying for you, in a sense. And you still have to actively engage with it, but I don't have to come up with anything. And there's this incredible thing, and, and the Anglican Church has used a version of this for 500 years. And there was something very cool about going, every Anglican Christian in the world is praying this exact same prayer as me right now. And they've been doing it for hundreds of years. There was something so amazing about that, that we're praying as the worldwide body of Christ as we do this. And there's this powerful tradition there. And because it's 2018, I had it as an app on my phone. There was the Book of Common Prayer app. And so it would come up on my phone, and it would come up every morning and every evening, and there were prayers that I would pray through out loud, and there was a psalm in there usually. There was usually a gospel reading and a New Testament reading and an Old Testament reading. And I could read through the whole thing in about 15 minutes. And on those days where I wasn't sure what to pray, it was, it was a lifesaver. It was incredible. And millions of Christians around the world, this is how they pray. We, in our stream of Christianity, we don't have anything like this as a formal thing. We value just speak your heart to God, and that's a good thing. But there's a whole other branch of Christianity that prays different, and it's good for us to know that and say, hey, what are you guys doing? What's working for you? Maybe that'll work for me. And so I don't know that I'll be doing it forever, but it has been a hugely uh, powerful time of prayer for me as I've engaged with this. And again, if you are struggling with what to pray or if you are new to prayer, I would strongly encourage you to look up. Just go to Amazon and look up Prayer Guide or Prayer Book or, or go on your app store and look for that as well, Daily Prayer app. Uh, find something that will help Help you do it because the other cool part is as I'm reading the Book of Common Prayer and these prayers that are hundreds of years old uh, I'm getting better at my own heartfelt prayers at the same time I'm learning more about how to pray so these are books that have been created by the church in order to help us pray there's another prayer book that's even better than that really and that is the Book of Psalms and for Israel and for all of church history the Book of Psalms has been the prayer book and it teaches us how to pray. And it's full of songs and full of prayers. It teaches us how to worship and pray. It teaches us how to talk to God. And so get the book of Psalms out in your Bible and open it up. Not right now. Uh, but read a psalm a day, just as a suggestion. Read a psalm a day out loud and make that your prayer. And there are psalms of victory, there are psalms of suffering, there are psalms of hope, there are psalms of doubt, there are psalms where faith is strong, there are psalms where faith is struggling, there are psalms for every occasion in life, and it's God's own inspired word. You are praying his own word back to him, and there's something very powerful when we do that. These are prayers he is happy to receive, because they are his own that he has crafted. And so we pray those things to him. Uh, another thing that I had to learn about a little bit this year is called fixed hour prayer, as I've been in school. So the monks and the nuns who live in the monasteries full-time, uh, they have what's called the daily offices or the daily hours. And so seven times a day, they will gather together for prayer if you live in one of those places. And so just every couple of hours throughout the day, you stop what you're doing, you go to the chapel, and there's usually a psalm reading and a prayer and maybe a worship song. And they do that seven times a day, which most of us do not have the luxury of doing necessarily. 
So when I was in school this summer, I was on campus, and they have set it up kind of like a, a monastery retreat. And so we did it three times a day. We did it at 7 in the morning was the first one. You gather in the chapel, and we did it at noon before we had lunch, and then we did it at 9 o'clock before we went to bed. And I didn't think I would care for it at all, because, again, it just feels super structured and rigid. And yet, as time went on, I actually kind of started to crave it a little bit. Be like, oh, it's almost noon. That means we get to go pray. We actually get to go connect with Jesus now. And the Bible says that the prophet Daniel, uh, you know, three times a day, he would turn to Jerusalem and he would pray. And so there's something about uh, not just, you know, once for five minutes, but a few times throughout the day, stopping and pausing and, and asking and worshiping and thanking and maybe reading a scripture. And that can look a lot of different ways. And so as I was doing my uh, Book of Common Prayer prayer app, it was first thing in the morning and then in, before I went to bed at night. Uh, so that was twice a day. But there is something for some of us where the the structure of this becomes important and for some of us the structure of this would be absolutely stifling and so this might not be for everybody but for some of us if our lives value structure and need structure there might be something where we need to do something like this where we say okay what intentionality am I going to give to what it looks like to connect with Jesus Prayer journaling is another way to do this. This has been one of Sarah, my wife's things, for many years. And, uh, and Sarah would be one to tell you that if I just try to sit and pray, my mind just starts to wander. I start to daydream, and, and my mind goes on this rabbit trail and that rabbit trail. And so Sarah found that prayer journaling was a good solution. And that is just what it sounds like. Instead of speaking out your prayers, you just write out your prayers. Dear Jesus... Please do this. Thank you for this. I worship you for this. And there's something about the writing it out that just focuses the mind. And so I remember Sarah saying to me once, I actually spend less time in prayer, but it's way more efficient because I'm actually actively praying the whole time. I'm not wandering. And so there was something about the focus that was important. As well, then you have this incredible record of the faithfulness of God where you can look back and say, wow, this prayer got answered, and this prayer got answered, and this prayer got answered, and this prayer got answered. We have a record of where God is breaking through in our lives, which is very, very cool to have. Meditation is something, it sounds like a New Age word, but long before it was a New Age thing, it was a Bible thing, way back even into the Old Testament. And we see it throughout the Psalms and in other places where uh, to meditate at its basic form, if you strip away all of our preconceived ideas about it based on how our culture looks at it, meditation simply means to let your mind dwell on something. And so Bill Johnson says, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because in worry, you are just letting your mind dwell on the concern and the consequences or, or what could go wrong. You're letting your mind dwell there. So all of us meditate without realizing it. In biblical meditation or in prayerful meditation, we are specifically letting our mind dwell on, on a specific thing. Maybe it's a scripture verse or maybe it's an idea about God. We've been going through this uh, Revelation, Book of Revelation podcast as a church, our daily devotional podcast, and one of the things we've been meditating on a lot is this idea of God's love and God's judgment, because the Book of Revelation is a lot about judgment. And how do we bring those two things together? And how do we wrestle through a God who is, who is incredibly loving and merciful and gracious, but who also disciplines and hates evil and hates sin? And so one of my things as we go through the daily devotional has often been just think about that for the day. Just take some time to let that roll around in your head and see what the Lord brings to mind. And so there's something about being in the silence and just letting our mind go there that can be really powerful as we think about the Bible or we think about the things of God. Intercession is prayer for other people in its most basic form. It's praying for others. 
standing in the gap for others. Uh, most of us probably do this to some extent. But it's interesting in the Lord's Prayer that it's not give me today my daily bread and forgive me my trespasses, but it's give us our daily bread, our daily bread. Forgive our trespasses. We don't just pray for ourselves. We pray for one another as well. And as we lift one another's burdens before the Lord, Scripture says, when you bear each other's burdens, you fulfill the law of Jesus. When you carry someone else's cares, you fulfill the law of Jesus. And prayer is such an important place where we do that. We carry someone else's burdens before the Lord, and we support them, and we call upon God for them. We trust that they will call upon God for us, and we can pray for one another. So intercession is prayer for others. Another important part is prayer with others. Because again, Jesus says, go into your room, be quiet, connect with God there. But there's also other times where he does pray with his disciples and he prays in public for others. And so praying with others becomes important. We can't only pray alone all the time. We have to pray in community sometimes. And sometimes I really fully believe this. The reason our prayers are not being answered is because we're trying to handle it entirely ourselves. And God is looking for us to be humble enough to reach out to someone else for help. And if we would just do that, then the breakthrough would happen. And, and that's not the answer to every situation, obviously. But I really do believe that God is looking for us to do this with other people. There's something about agreement with another person where you join your hearts and you join your minds and you join your will and you come before God together. Jesus has put us in a body for a reason. And so when we have prayer time at the end of the service, honestly, I don't understand why it's not full of everybody up here because there is always something to pray for and there are people here ready to pray for you and today could be the day that it happens if you would take that step it is not weakness to acknowledge you need prayer it's pride if you can't acknowledge that and everything that happens up here is confidential and and it is all held here you don't have to share details of anything but there are people here willing to pray with you and agree with you and there's powerful things that happen when we do that and sometimes for some of us we need that other person to pray with sometimes people say if i don't have a buddy to go to the gym with it just won't happen i just need that accountability if i don't have someone to go run with i'm never going to go for my daily run i need someone to go with me and we'll do that together for some of us that's important in our prayer life we need to have a prayer buddy we need to have somebody that we can pray with and have that accountability with and even if that's not you we all need to engage with prayer together sometimes come on up worship team we're just about done so not everything today was for everybody we said at the beginning i just gave you a bunch of things and my goal was not to say here's 20 new things you need to start but it was just here's a bunch of different kinds of prayer and maybe a couple of them are for you right now and wherever you're at in your prayer life, in your walk with Jesus, what, how is it going, first of all? Just how is your prayer life? And most people, for Christians, it's probably the most common New Year's resolution of I want to work on my prayer life or I want to work on my Bible life. I want to work on my devotional time. Uh, it comes up over and over and over again. And so where are you at? And what might be a good next step? What might be a good next phase for you in order to grow in your spiritual journey, to take a next step towards connecting with God? Of those, you know, 20 things we talked about today, what's maybe one or two that would be a good next step for you to work on uh, as you work on your prayer life? Something goes wrong in our house, uh, we go to the prayer or the toolkit, right? You go to your toolbox. And we understand that there's a different tool for every task. If I want to pull a screw out of the wall, I don't reach for the hacksaw, right? I mean, I probably would, because I don't know what I'm doing, but 
you reach for your screwdriver. And if you want to cut a piece of wood, you don't reach for your hammer, you reach for the saw. And if you want to hammer something, you don't need a wrench, you need your hammer, obviously. There's a different tool for a different task. And prayer is very much the same way. There are different kinds of prayers, and there are different seasons of prayer. And there are different days, uh, prayers that we need to be praying. And so some days it may just be, I just need to ask for a bunch of stuff. And some days it might be, you know what, I'm not going to ask for anything today. I'm just going to worship. Or I'm just going to be thankful. I'm just going to pray for other people. I'm not going to ask for anything for myself, actually. And some days it's, it's going to be prayers of submission. And some days it's going to be prayers of, of petition. And some days it's going to be acknowledging. And some days it might just be brokenness and repentance. And, and all of it is good. And we don't have to have a formula to this. But just to acknowledge there are different ways to pray. And not everything works all the time either. That's the other side, is that things that were important in my prayer life 20 years ago uh, don't work the same way anymore. They just don't. I'm in a different season of life. My relationship with him has changed. In a marriage, if you've been married 40 years, you're not relating to your spouse that 40 years of marriage the same way you did when you were 16 and you were first starting to date. If you were, that's probably a problem. But you've changed, you've both changed, and your relationship has matured, and your seasons of life have matured. And so not everything we do is for every season, but there's a bunch of different ways that we connect with Jesus in prayer. And the heart of the message today was find something, find things that work for you in the way that you are wired and with your timeline and your busyness and your lifestyle, how are you connecting with Jesus and how can you go deeper? We wanna take some time and worship before we close off. So would you stand with me, please? And then we'll close off in prayer. As we wrap up the service, uh, we have people available today uh, to pray with you. And as we hear about prayer today from Pastor Chris, you can practically put it into practice as well. There'll be people out front that are trained specifically to pray with you. Uh, so if you got anything you're going through, need some encouragement, we encourage you to come forward. As well as people are receiving prayer, we encourage you to visit in the foyer or just down the hallway so people can come forward and be ministered to. And so we can create that space for people as they come forward. As we wrap up today, as we think about prayer and in your life, there's many practical tools that we're giving to you today. And it's an amazing thing to think about that we can pray in many different ways. As Pastor Chris talked about how we're all wired differently. And to encourage you as well, use practical things in your life. I was talking to somebody recently who was struggling through their prayer life. So I asked them, how long does it take you to drive to work in your car? And they told me about 30 minutes. I said, why don't you take that time in your car and pray in your vehicle out loud as you're driving? And reported back to me that's really helped this person in their prayer life. I have formal times of prayer in my life, but I have lots of informal time. In my car, my radio's off. It's me and Jesus hanging out. And our life is so busy, that seems to be a quiet time for me. And sometimes we think that we have to come to the church to pray. But the Bible says to pray without ceasing. And that means we can pray all the time in the Spirit. So be encouraged by that. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can pray to you and communicate our heart to you, that you change us because of your Holy Spirit. I ask Jesus as we go into this week, even as we enter the rest of this day, show us how we can engage more in prayer with you. Not just to go through a list, but to come into your presence in humility, in a posture of openness as you lead us. I pray, Jesus, that you would answer a prayer where it's needed today, that you'd give hope and encouragement where that's needed as well. And so Lord, I pray that our prayer lives would thrive, that we'd be excited about spending time in your presence, in your word, through the tools that have been provided today. So thank you for each one. Guide us the rest of the day. And Jesus, as we go out into this week, 
provide us opportunity to be a blessing to other people as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.